Welcome to the Ask Chris and Kate podcast, providing answers to your burning tennis questions. Wherever you're going on your tennis journey, we're here to help you get there. Hey guys, it's Kate and Chris from the Ask Chris and Kate podcast. We are excited to get episode three underway. Yeah, uh, you know, we're kind of sitting here thinking, wow, we're in the red phase here for COVID and, you know, we're trying to figure out things we can do. So we said, why don't we do another podcast, right, Kate? Yeah, I so guess. here we are. Um, so um, this is going to be a good one for you guys, okay? It's a little different. We want to thank all the listeners for the questions that we received. But today we're going to tell a story about a question that Kate asked when he was nine, so I guess eight years ago. Mm. And we're going to share the information and the answer that he received from this question that he asked the former WTA Grand Slam champion. Okay, um, so I guess we'll get right into it. So this happened back in 2013, and Cade was at his first ever Atlantics. Do you remember this, Cade? Oh, I remember. Those were back in the days when you had to qualify for U10 Atlantics. Yes, and do you remember what venue we were at? Yeah, I believe we were at um, Victoria Park, uh, Prince Edward Island. Yes, so as an adult or a parent watching tennis, this is one of my favorite venues in Atlantic Canada, I'll just say. I don't know what it feels like as a player, but oh, we yeah. love watching tennis there. I, it's by far, I you know what, it might even be my, it might be sliding in the top three for favorite places to play. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a beautiful spot. So, um, so yeah, so we were there, and back in 2013, this is when Twitter was kind of just sort of new, but not crazy new, and I was looking at my phone at the time, and I said, Cade, Venus Williams is asking people to ask her a question, and she will get back to you with an answer, and I said, and we were just sitting on one of the steps there at Victoria Park, and I said, are you interested in asking her a question? And Kate said, sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was the question you asked, Kate? Uh, I think it, the, I don't know the exact words, but it was, what would be tips that, we, you, that you would give a young uh, junior tennis player around 9, 10 years old? Yeah, no, that was exactly it. And you're going to want to write these points down if you're a tennis parent or a junior, because when we look back at this, Venus hit the nail on the head, right? Mm-hmm. So the first point that she shared with us was work on your technique because it's going to hold up for you in those pressure moments during a match. And sometimes we always talk about how technique's not important and we don't want to give that wrong impression, but some people kind of always want their technique to be perfect. And that's kind of where we're at. Like you need your technique to be solid so it does handle in those pressure times and matches. Um, but you don't need to kind of focus on it so it needs to be perfect and you need to look like Roger Federer all the time, right? So definitely very important tip as a, as a young player or a beginner that wants to get into matches is always definitely work on your technique so that in those pressure moments it will, it will hand, you know, will, you know, stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I, you... I, as far as the technique goes, I mean, we kind of talked about how it's a little underrated and all that, but it needs to be good enough. Yeah. That it's that it can hold up in a in a third set tiebreaker. I mean, that's what we play in junior, but yeah. it needs to be good enough to be able to to not break down in those pressure moments. And like my dad said, it doesn't need to need to look perfect. It just needs to be able to hold up. Yeah, and it doesn't need to look like 
Venus Williams technique or Roger Federer's or Rafa Nadal's. It needs to be what's good for you and the body type you have as a player. And just one quick thing when you're analyzing your technique, I guess just think about the five fundamentals of, uh, you know, of tennis uh, on any one of your given strokes is the grip, the setup, the hitting zone, the impact point, and the recovery. Those are, so just take a look at those you know, five core items when you're looking at your strokes and make it fit good for you and make it as good as enough as like mm -hmm. Kate said, right? Yeah, uh, those are definitely the five basic things you wanna be focusing on as far as the technique goes, not when you're in a match though. Yeah. So on the practice court, just a little disclaimer there. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. Do not think about technique in a match, okay? So, so the first point was work on your technique. Thank you, Venus. Uh, the next one uh, Venus gave us was footwork. And back at the time when, you know, Cade was a young junior, it kind of didn't really click home for me anyway as a dad. And uh, I don't know about you, Cade. What did yeah, you get? I, when she got back to me and I was like, let's just skip over that one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, um, I don't even think I knew what I meant. I mean, I was nine. So yeah. I think the technique and some of the other ones I kind of was more drawn to. So, yeah. but now that I'm older, I feel like that might be like the most important one. Yeah. So I, I started as, as Cade has grown along in his junior career here. And as I've gotten more involved in tennis footwork, I'm starting to realize if I can go back to my hockey playing days is actually a lot like skating for hockey players. And hockey players are always working on their skating uh, because if you want to play at that next level or the highest level, you actually have to be a decent skater. Can you get to the NHL or a pro hockey player and not be a great skater? You can, but you better have some other good tools in the basket there. But skating is definitely one of the more important mm -hmm. things in order to be a, an excellent hockey player. And I think footwork for tennis kind of mm -hmm. falls in that line. And I would say it's something that's lacking for a lot of players in our area that, you know, maybe could be worked on more. Yeah, it's something that, I mean, I find a lot of coaches or anybody, it's just like skipped over. Like yeah. nobody talks about it. It's, it's super underrated yeah. because if you guys, if you watch these guys move on, guys and girls, they, they're like the court level view, it's amazing. And we, we could look like that, but for some reason, as a society of tennis coaches and players, we don't even talk about it. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. It's almost like you need to focus on your footwork, kind of like how hockey they, they used to have when I was a kid. They called it power skating. Mm -hmm. And you would basically go and learn your edges and different types of ways to move on the ice. Okay, There was no pucks. It was kind of boring. I'm not going to lie. But that's similar to footwork. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But if you work on the certain footwork patterns in order to hit a ball <clears throat> that you would do on the tennis court, it is going to help you immensely. And if that technique isn't solid, like point one that Venus shared with us, your footwork will help kind of, you know. It all goes yeah, together. Yeah, so it'll definitely help in those situations where maybe your technique isn't bang on. So Venus, genius. Yeah, and just to add one more thing, like... Maybe if you're struggling, you're always blaming your technique. It's it it might not be that. Like maybe you, you're not moving properly. Like that's could definitely be a case. So don't always blame it on the technique. Maybe look at your feet next time too. For sure, great point, Kate. 
Um, so there's point number two. I hope you got a pen and a paper there and writing these down because these are definitely things that helped us along the way. So number three uh, point that Dina shared with us uh, was listen to your coach. And I think this goes with the first two points that we talked about, about working on your technique and footwork. Uh, it's very important that when you're working with a coach, whether it's your parent or the coaches at the club you're at or academy or wherever you're at, you got to make sure you listen to what your coach is trying to tell you. And I know sometimes it might feel like, what the heck are you talking about? Or this feels so uncomfortable when you're a player in practice. And if a coach asks you to do something, it, it doesn't feel comfortable. You really have to push through that barrier and try it and try it and try it. And I'll relate this to another sport. Like I used to play a lot of golf back in the day before we had kids, Kate. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's like you might decide to quickly tweak something with your grip in golf or the way you take your, your, your club back and you'll hit the ball all over the place. It'll be wild. You'll be hitting a hook, a slice here and there. But over time, like the golf pro would tell you, is if you keep working on it, it is going to make a better swing mm -hmm. and it's going to help you hit the ball better in golf. And I kind of think that's why you need to listen to your coach as mm -hmm. well. Cause it might put you in spots. What you mm -hmm. tell me, what do you think, Kate? Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't like to listen to this coach right <laughs> next to me sometimes, yeah. but I think it's ex extremely important to develop um, a good relationship between your coach because clearly if you're not having a good relationship with your coach, you're, you're, where you are is probably not, it's not going to be very good because you don't have a good relationship. And I think just to backtrack a little bit there when he was talking about the golf swing and the grip, it's same for tennis. Like I teach kids like all the little basic grip stuff and there's some that, you know, just whatever coach Kate. And then there's some that really try and, and dial it in. And then, you know what, it's a rough period for the start, but they, they get it and it's noticeable once they get going. Yeah. So as a player and as a parent, hopefully the coach that your child is working with, they're probably going to have the best interests of your child. So as a player and the parent, you need to trust your coaches and let them do what they are trying to do. And they, they're trying to help you. Maybe it might not work right away for that next tournament or the next six months. But if you're a player that wants to try and get to that next level, then you really need to focus and try hard at what they're trying to get you to do because they do have your best interest, right? So it's important to listen to your coach. Super, super yeah. important. And... You know, one, maybe one more thing to add. This is a little bit different, but maybe stick to one or two max coaches. Like, I feel like if you have too many people in your ear, that can be troublesome. So listen to one or two coaches, not three, four, five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that can get definitely confusing for players. Yeah. So point number three from Venus. Awesome tip from her. And the final one is mental toughness. So we went over the first one, work on your technique, second one, footwork, third one, listen to your coach. And the fourth one she said was mental toughness. Mm -hmm. And if I can keep going on this, I think if you continue to work on your technique and you work on your footwork and keep putting the time in, you're going to feel better on the court. Okay. So that's part of mental toughness, feeling confident, feeling good about your game, when you're out on the court. The other part of mental toughness is positive self-talk. Mm -hmm. I think it's important even on the practice court. Kate, I would get at you sometimes yeah. about this. Is 
you got to be positive. If you hit one ball in the net, you can't let that make your, your practice crumble. Okay? Yeah, that, that's me sometimes. <laughs> he knows that yeah. I'll hit a ball in the net or like wide. And then I'm like, there's been some times where, you know, I'm just kind of screwed for the rest of the practice. Yeah. So don't do what I do sometimes. Well, we're all, that yeah. happens to all of us, right? So, but that, I guess, constantly have positive self-talk. So when you prepare and you're always talking to yourself in a positive way, this will give you confidence, which will help with mental toughness. And like uh, Novak Djokovic says, now he could work on some things too, but he is the you know number one playing number one ranked player in the world. But he says they all can hit forehands, everybody can hit backhands, everybody can hit serve. When it comes to high level tennis, it comes down to who is you know mentally, mentally tough. tough. Yeah. So uh, definitely something that Cade has always worked on and continue to work, continues to work on since Venus sent this information to us. But can you add a little bit about mental toughness or what you think there, Cade? Yeah, uh, I would actually say that's probably one of my strengths in matches, maybe not on the practice court, yeah. because I think that's actually where I let it out. Yeah. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know yet. Yeah. But people are always like, oh, Cade, how do you stay you know, composed out there? And you know what? I just kind of, I go with the flow, I'm focused, but if, if there's a mistake in a match, after that point, it's gone. You got, you got to just forget about it. I know a lot of people say that, but it's really true. Yeah. You just got to like the windshield wiper effect, okay? When that point is done, it's over, you're moving on to the next one, you're thinking, okay, what can I do now, you know, to, to, to win this point or, you know, to get momentum back or wh wherever you are in the match? For sure. So, and I think one thing that might help uh, a parent or a young junior kind of understand uh, that feeling that you just explained is if you look at the, the stats in the ATP or the WTA tour, players, some of the best players in the world only win 55% of the mm -hmm. points. That's a really good point. Right? So if there's two points, you're probably going to lose one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you need to know that you're going to lose a lot of points in a match. So it's important to understand that you win 51% of those met points. But also know if you don't, that's okay. But just realize that there's not that big of a difference between the winner and the loser. And mm -hmm. if you let one loss of point or three points you lose kind of get to you, your mental toughness is going to kind of go down. Yeah, the it will definitely spiral right? you know, out of control. So, so I think it's very important to understand that the best players in the world only win 55% of the points. See, we're talking about the Federers and the, and the Serenas. The and, yeah, the Rafas. Like, that, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I remember looking at that stat, I don't know, maybe it was like one or two years ago when we first looked into that stuff. Like, I was like shocked. Like, you think of these guys, like, you know, winning like 90% of the points, like when I was younger, because you just look up to them and you think like they're, they're God. Yeah. But, you know... In every match, it's like that. Winner or loser, it's always like 50-50. Yeah. It's very close. So, you know, whether you win or lose the match, like, it was close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember actually there was, you know, if you take, go back to the pro tennis, there was a stat, uh, Dr. Ivo, yeah. Ivo Karlovic. He, he was, I forget where he was ranked. But he, out of the whole year, he only won 49%, not only, but won 49% of his points in all his matches, and he ended up winning $1.7 million that year, mm -hmm. right? So it just... Not even half. Yeah. So remember, you're going to lose points. Even the best players lose points, yeah. okay? 
So those were the four amazing tips that we received from Venus, a Grand Slam champion. Mm-hmm. Thanked her for answering the tweet. That was eight years ago. Hard to believe yeah, that. Yeah, and right? she's but, still going. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Very, lots of motivation coming from her there, so... So we hope those, we, we did this, this is a little different, the podcast. We thought we would share a question that Kate had asked, uh, you know, Venus and was lucky enough to get an answer. So we want to share with you those four tips that she gave us. And other than that, we hope everybody's staying safe and healthy during these times. As mentioned, we're kind of in the red phase and that means no tennis at all for us anywhere. Even in orange phase, we can't get to tennis. Uh, but it's all good. We're having fun and yeah. continue to talk tennis. So yeah. uh, we appreciate for you guys listening and we will see you on the court next time. Thank you guys. Write those tips down and we'll see you next time. <laughs>